welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey church, I'm going to um, share a quick testimony before we get into the word with Penny, which is going to be amazing. So um, there was a harvest, um, Did a? they've been doing a revival um, night here in Australia. There was a pastor, Todd and Karen Smith from over in, um, oh, I can't remember exactly where, somewhere in the US. It's, it'll come to me, but it's not really that important. Um, they're important, but they're, it's not that important where they're from. Um, anyway, they came out. They've been in a 290-week revival. Um, they were, uh, Pastor Todd was sick and tired of being in church with no power, essentially. So they did a 21-day prayer and fasting, and on day... Uh, 15 he was walking on his stage and he looked at his baptistry and it was empty and then he was praying and he looked again it was filled with water and fire on the top and he felt the Lord say to start baptizing people and that they were going to get baptized in the power of spirit and with fire and so they've been doing that so they came out and released um, they're trying to you know release revival here so uh, Ross and I took Zoe um, and we had her baptised just in faith, which was amazing. And um, it was just a very powerful night. Um, anyway, um, Pastor Toddy put a, a cloth in the water with Zoe. We've seen some great stuff starting to shift with Zoe, which we can give God glory for. It's amazing. We're still in attention, but we can see that God's doing something. But um, that was on the Tuesday night. On the Wednesday night, I went to the second service with Sebastian and Praveen and I asked, um, I was listening and Pastor Todd released this testimony of this lady who had been in a serious car accident and her leg was several inches shorter after having surgery seven times. And anyway, she, her and her ex-husband drove six hours and went to uh, Pastor Todd's church because their daughter was graduating Bible college anyway she felt to get in the baptistry she gets in the baptistry and her leg grows out in the tank and they put one of these these prayer cloths in the water so on the way home her her ex-husband's not saved he's watching all this thinking what's happening but wouldn't get in the tank anyway so for for six hour drive on the way home she gives him the gospel hallelujah right what else are you going to do but she gave him this cloth and anyway, they had a pretty good relationship, she said, because they had children. And anyway, he got COVID, so she thought, I'll ring in and check in on him. So she uh, rings and checks in and says, how are you going? And he says, I haven't told anybody this, but um, I took that, that cloth and I wrung it out and I got a couple of drops of water and I put, put, a, put it on a Q-tip and I put it in my deaf ear and God opened my ear like that right? So that's amazing. Yeah, we can give God a hand for that. He's, he's wild, right? Q-tips. I clean my ears with them. I don't open deaf ears, but he does. Anyway, um, Elijah's been complaining flat out. Like we would say, like we'd call, he'd be watching TV. Hey, Lodge, can't hear you. Oh. And we were walking on the Friday after this at the shops and I was talking to him. He didn't answer me. And I'm like, mate, and he goes, I can't hear you. And I was like, that's just random. Wow. And my sister kept saying, you need to get his hearing checked. Well, I don't have a problem with that, but we live in the kingdom, right? So <laughs> anyway, 
I was spending time with the Lord and I felt the Lord remind me of this Q-tip story. So I thought, the next morning I got up and I got Zoe's cloth and I mean, I wrung it out, I got four drops. It's wet, but it ain't soaking. And I got four drops and I got these two Q-tips and I, and I put, put the, them in the water and then I said to Lige, hey mate, come here. And he's thinking mum's going to clean my ears, so he's freaking, you know. And I'm like, mate, I said, God did a miracle with it through this, through someone else, and I felt to release it on you. So I said, God opened someone's ears so they could hear. Anyway, so I'm telling him that. He starts bawling, and I haven't even touched him yet. And I'm like, God's touching him. So anyway, I said, mate, in faith, put your hands out. Get ready to receive. We're going to unblock these ears. We're sick and tired of repeating ourselves. So (laughs) all the parents said amen, right? (laughs) Amen, yeah. So... Anyway, so we put them, put them in his ears and we thank God and that's it. And then he's sitting at our dining table. So it's really hard to get a context, but let's say that's our dining table. And I go around the corner. I opened up the laundry first, I had the washer and dryer going, so we needed noise. TV's over where Treno's sitting. And I go around into Lodge's room and I go, I whispered, which is hard for me, we know. <laughs> hey, hey, Lodge. I've got a microphone but it won't work (laughs) Um, I I asked him what's his birth date and he he starts bawling and he goes mum I can hear it's 21-10-2013 I can hear I can hear God opened his ears I whispered around a corner with white noise all through our house just the spirit of testimony. It's a prophecy, right? It's a prophecy over our life, what's available. It's ridiculous. He's, I just put something in his ears in faith. And it's, I feel like this morning, I want us to say, there's just been this real element of faith in the room. From what Ash released, what, what we were singing, just God's just building our faith to say, believe f- for things that seem wild and, and ridiculous. I mean, a Q-tip is not designed to open ears besides clean them a little, right? But, but God will use anything if we activate with our faith. So Elijah's hearing really well. Now we don't have to repeat ourselves half as much, which is awesome. There's still selective hearing, but that's different. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I just want to release that. Like, you know, align yourself with, with other people's stories of faith and what God's doing. And, um, yeah, so... Anyway, that's amazing. So now we're going to go into this super amazing word. Can we really honour Penny? Can we stand and give her a hand as she comes and brings the word? Good morning. That's incredible, Kylie. Thank you for sharing that with us. When we share testimonies, it raises the level of faith. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, fill my mouth with words, open ears and eyes to see and hear and tell us something you want us to know today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're new here today or if you missed it, Lee and Justin are on holidays at the moment and I would love to tell you how they're enjoying their holiday but Bella hasn't FaceTimed Chloe yet to tell her all about it. So uh, I trust that they're having a great time and we release blessing and favour and upgrades for them through the next week too. All right. Last time I spoke, I shared about God's infiniteness, that he's all-powerful, all-knowing and ever-present. 
I encouraged us that we can continue to grow in our knowledge and understanding of him because there's always more and to know that he's a good father who gives good gifts and he's prepared a table for us and he's prepared that with provision, protection, restoration, presence and power. So knowing that, today we're going to focus on the last part of Psalm 23 verse 5 which says, my cup overflows. Is your cup overflowing? Is it overflowing with good things? John 10.10, and I'm reading from the Amplified because I love it, says, I came that they might have life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. James 1.7 Sorry, James 1.17 says, also from the Amplified, every good thing given, every good thing given, and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, the creator and sustainer of the heavens, in whom there is no variation, no rising or setting or shadow cast by his turning, for he is perfect and never changes. That's every good thing. Did you know that there's a promise attached to tithing? In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, it says, Bring all the tithes, a tenth, into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house, and test me now in this, says the Lord. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you so great a blessing until there's no more room to receive it. Do you still have room to receive something good from God? Our family does. We receive a lot of good, but we've still got some room. Philippians 4 verse 19 from the Amplified says, My God will liberally supply, fill until full, your every need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Two points I want to make about this verse. Your every need. It's not just limited to healing or finances, which are two of the big ones that we often hit on because it's easier and there's stories about them and testimonies about them. It's not just limited to that. It says your every need. If you have an emotional need, a relationship need, a work need, any need that you have, he'll supply it according to his riches in glory. This is the second point, his riches in glory. His riches... He's not poor. There's no limit to the blessing or the favour or the number of miracles that are available. He doesn't need to ration them out. There's no board meeting in heaven where the Father and Jesus and Holy Spirit get together to plan for the next year and go, oh man, how are we going to allocate these resources? We just don't have enough. Nolene wants something, but... So do these guys over here. We gave Nolene something last year. Let's go with... That's not what's happening. It says he fulfills, fills until full your every need according to his riches. Come on. Overflow. That's what we're talking about today. Overflow. It's promised to you in every area of your life. My cup overflows. Is your cup overflowing? 
And is it overflowing with good things? At the start of this year, our son Eli, who was 10, got his first debit card. It's pretty exciting. It's how his school canteen works. They run a high school format from grade five. And so part of that is the canteen uses a debit card, which has to be in their name and they have to use it. And we top it up regularly and he has a spending limit. And as good parents, we sat down and said, this is how much you have. This is what it's for. Got to buy lunch once a week. It's a bit of money there for snacks if you want it. You're in charge. You're empowered. If you spend it all on snacks, there'll be no lunch and you can deal with that. (laughs) Eli loves lunch, so we were not really thinking this was a big risk. So we set the card up, came in the mail, we set the card up, set a pin, explained how it worked, and I sent him off to school with it, with the suggestion, because now that he's 10, we, well, he's 11 now, but we give him more suggestions than instructions. Well, we let him think it's a suggestion. Because <laughs> we're empowering him to make decisions and, and choices and learn consequences. So... Send him off to school and said, mate, just check your card works. You know, you've got to swipe, you've got to press this button, then you need to know your pin. Check that we set your pin correctly. Just buy something small. So he went with his lunch and his snacks. Just going to buy something small so that we could check the card works. Well, 10.45, I get an alert on my phone that says, Eli spent all the money. <laughs> and I was like, cool, because <laughs> that's exactly what we want to happen. He's 10, he's learning, excellent. Going to hear more about this from him later. So he comes home from school and I say, Eli, how was your day? And he says, it was amazing. And whenever he's got something amazing to tell, it's two hands. Mum, mum, it was amazing. And I said, I bet it was. So he's always surprised that we know what's going on in his life. And I said, tell me why it was amazing. And he said, well, I went to the canteen, I bought an ice cream, and then because our family is generous, I bought Kevin an ice cream, I bought Alex an ice cream, I bought Lucas an ice cream, but then there was no more money. But I bought them all ice creams because we love generosity. And I said, yeah, we do. (laughs) That's awesome. So I told you that story to tell you this. If Eli had a card that gives him access to blessings based on his identity, but he didn't take it with him to school and he never got it out of his pocket and he didn't go to the place where the blessings are and he never enacted the rights that that card affords him, what would be the point of the card? He'd be missing out on some of his birthrights as part of our family. Imagine if he went and stood sort of near the canteen, didn't get in line, didn't get his card that is his knowledge of his identity out, and he said, gosh, I hope, wishful thinking hope, not kingdom hope, I hope something amazing happens here today. He wouldn't receive the blessing and he wouldn't, his friends wouldn't receive the overflow that he's already entitled to. I'd suggest that sometimes we're walking around with an access card in our pocket, our identity as kingdom citizens, 
and we're not positioning ourselves in the presence of Jesus and we're praying prayers that God has already made provision for, that he's already approved, already put into our account and we're wondering why we're not getting our needs met. So we're going to talk about positioning ourselves. We're going to look at a number of accounts today in the Bible. And these are just the ones I read this week. There's way more. You can find them. You'll know what they are. They'll come to your heart. We're going to look at Joshua in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11. And the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face just as a man speaks to his friend. And when Moses returned to the camp, his attendant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So in the Old Testament, the tent was where the meeting place was. That's where you went to be in the presence of God. And Moses would go there and spend time. And Joshua would follow and sit in the shadow and wait. And he would stay long after Moses left. And what's the result of him spending that time in the presence of God? The overflow of that is that he led an entire nation into the blessing and the promise that God had for them. Zacchaeus. Let's turn to this one in Luke chapter 19, verse 1. In the olden days, when I grew up in church, you could hear all the pages. And then you'd know when people got there because the pages went quiet. But you're all scrolling, except for Kylie. Thanks, Kylie. Kylie's there. Luke 19, verse 1. This is from the New King James. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, but he could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a tree to see Jesus, for Jesus was going to pass by that way. Zacchaeus had heard about Jesus, and he wanted to experience Jesus for himself. So he positioned himself up a tree. I don't remember the last time I climbed a tree to see someone famous. But that's what Zacchaeus did. And in verse 5 it says, When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, and he said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received Jesus joyfully. But when they saw it, that's the crowd, they were all complaining, saying, He's gone to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I've taken any from, anything from anyone falsely, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because he's also a son of Abraham. Today salvation has come to this house. Remember it said Zacchaeus is rich. So we can assume that he had employees and servants. And salvation came to the whole house. The whole household was saved because of the overflow of Zacchaeus positioning himself up a tree just to see Jesus. The woman who touched the hem of Jesus' garment, 
she'd had an issue of blood she, for 12 years. She'd been to all the doctors, spent all the money. I know there's some people here who have been to all the doctors. 12 years of affliction ruins her life. She can't do stuff. And what did she do? She went out in the marketplace, in the crowd, pushed through the crowd to get near Jesus and to touch the hem of his garment. And she positioned herself and was blessed. And I believe her whole life would have changed. She doesn't have to go to the doctor every week anymore. She doesn't have to spend all her money on that. Her circle, her friends, her family who are supporting her and encouraging her, their whole lives would have changed. It would have impacted everybody that she knew because she positioned herself. In Mark chapter 2, there's a paralysed man who couldn't get near Jesus because of the crowds. So he got his friends to lower him down through the roof. He positioned himself. And he received healing because it's God's desire to heal. And it wasn't just healing. It would have changed his whole life. It would have changed his identity. Because he no longer has to beg. He can be a functioning contributing member of society, changed his identity. And the overflow of him having his need met, the Bible says the huge crowd was amazed and glorified God. So this man positions himself, he gets a blessing, there's an overflow, and the whole crowd glorifies God. The healing at the pool in John chapter 5 there was a pool, the angel comes, stirs the waters, first one in, gets healed. There was a lame man who positioned himself by the pool. He didn't actually have the ability to get in there, so he was missing out. And Jesus came by and says, do you want to be healed? And the guy says, yeah, I do. So Jesus heals him. It's the Sabbath, so the temple rulers get upset again. And they ask Jesus, what do you think you're doing? And he says, changing this guy's life. And they don't like it. But many, many more people, the Bible says, begin to follow Jesus. The overflow of this man positioning himself at the pool is a miracle for him, a powerful sermon from Jesus, political upheaval. And in John chapter 6, verse 2, it says, a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did for those who were diseased. The lame man at the gate beautiful. This is one of my favourite stories for a lot of reasons. And we won't go super deep into it today. Acts chapter 3. There's a beggar. He positioned himself at the temple. What he was after was welfare. But what he got from Peter and John was even better. He got full miraculous healing. And the overflow of his encounter was this. Jesus preached a sermon that was really offensive to some of the Jewish officials. Multitudes believed in Jesus, it says, the Bible says. 5,000 men. So that's representative of 5,000 households because they would have gone home to their families and their families would have followed Jesus. Peter and John were put in jail overnight. 
and brought before the church leadership on Monday morning. That's what happens when you preach a bad sermon. You get, I assume, at other churches. <laughs> Don't know. And asked what power they used to heal the beggar. So Peter repeated the most offensive parts of his sermon, which is super fun if you want to look it up. And the church leadership said, stop talking about Jesus. Peter and John said, whatever, I'm paraphrasing, whatever. We're not going to do what you say, we're going to do what God says. And then in Acts chapter 4, verse 21, it says, when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, since all the people glorified God for what had been done. So the overflow of the lame man positioning himself at the gate, seeking a miracle, is a couple of powerful sermons, thousands of families that believed in Jesus and were glorifying God, political upheaval, again, and Peter and John then went home and had a prayer meeting and they prayed for boldness. feels to me like they already had it, but they prayed for boldness. And Acts chapter 4 verse 31 says, When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with gold, boldness. Overflow. Psalm 23 verse 5, my cup overflows. A common factor in these stories is that all these people were seeking an encounter with God. So they did something. They did something. They positioned themselves. And here's the thing about positioning yourself. We are already positioned spiritually. It's really important, so I'm going to say it again. We are already positioned spiritually. Ephesians chapter 2, 5 and 6 says, Even when we were dead in trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You are already seated in heavenly places. That's where you're seated, in heavenly places. Sometimes... We just need our head to catch up. Which is why it is so important that we renew our minds with kingdom thinking. Positioning yourself is not about performance. It's not. It's about deciding to believe something. The woman with the issue of blood decided to believe the things she'd heard about Jesus She believed that something could change her life. We have to set our intention. We have to take action. And we have to pursue him. Pursue his presence. What happened after each of these interactions? Many people were blessed. From the overflow. The overflow... They went there for one thing and there was overflow. Not just the person who positioned themselves was changed. They were, 
but there was overflow. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 from the Amplified. Can you turn to this one because this one's key. And we're going to break this verse down into parts and read it out of order, which is allowed because I'm not going to add. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, from the Amplified. First part I'm going to read is, But you are a chosen race of royal priesthood, a consecrated nation, a special people chosen for God's own possession. This part of the verse is about your identity, who you are, your lineage, and your authority because of who your father is. This is Eli having a debit card. We're going to skip down to the bit that says, who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. This part is about being positioned in his presence. Eli has a debit card. He needs to take it to the canteen. The middle part of this verse the excellencies, the wonderful deeds and virtues and perfections of him. We're not just seeking his hand. We know he gives good gifts and he does good stuff. He does, it's true. But he has wonderful virtues and perfections as well. The wonderful, the the excellencies, the wonderful deeds and virtues and perfections of him. This part is about God's overflow. This is the part where Eli uses his debit card at the canteen and he accesses his account and there's ice creams for everyone. We need to know our identity. We need to position ourselves in his presence. And the result of that will be overflow that changes the world. The last part of this verse that I want to focus on is this, so that, so that you may proclaim, so that you may proclaim the excellencies, the wonderful deeds and the virtues and perfections of him. He blesses us because he wants to bless us and because he wants to bless others and have relationship with others. Acts chapter 20, verse 24 says, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. That's the task that we have. And when you know your identity and you seek his presence, there'll be overflow. Adelina, can I have you come up on the keys, please? Psalm 23, verse 5, my cup overflows. God's supply will never run dry. He has more than enough, regardless of your situation and circumstances. His presence has no boundaries. His provision has no expiration. His protection can't be penetrated. 
His power has no equal. He provides. And the overflow of his provision is designed for us to pour out on others. I'll say it again. He provides. And the overflow of that provision is designed to be poured out on others. So that they can come to know him too. Can I ask you to stand with me? Let's close our eyes. Our lives are supposed to look like something. What's going to happen when you know who you are and when you position yourself in his presence and when your cup overflows? I encourage you to keep pressing in to know your identity in him. It takes time and effort. And if you want some ideas, come and see me after the service. Let's take a moment right now to ask ourselves, am I positioning myself in his presence? God, we just thank you for your overflow. We thank you for your overflow so that we can proclaim your excellencies. Holy Spirit, this week, remind us to position ourselves. Prompt our hearts to come back and position ourselves throughout our day. We thank you, Father God, that you've provided so that we can have overflow. And that overflow is going to impact people around us. Show us opportunities to talk about your excellencies. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I have the ministry team come forward, please?